0: On this episode of Deal and Extend, we decide to get a little personal and tell you our Linux stories. This episode of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 29 of Deal and Extend. Deal and Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community, like the discourse forums, telegram groups, Discord server, and so much more. We also snag topics from other shows around the network. Here with me today are my fantastic guests, the owner of all the crazy hardware, Matt, and the one who has an almost unhealthy obsession with OpenSUSE. How's it going, guys?
1: Fantastic. I have been receiving lots of questions from family. This is a a kind of a change. A lot of questions about privacy on the internet, security... And Linux and, and how they can start using it, which I've always been one to say, You know, I have no problem saying that I use Linux, you know, and they and now people are asking me uh, for how, how they can get started. So I spent uh, quite a bit of time on the weekend talking with some family members about getting started in Linux. So I put together a little uh, USB drive with Ventoy on it. And you know, after our discussion about, you know, where should they start in Linux, I thought about this. And I did have a conversation with them and I said, yeah, I'm going to give you two options. The option that's going to be easier to get going, which is Kubuntu. The uh, other option is my preferred option. OpenSUSE, and I gave them a leap. I showed them how it works. You know, this is the interface. You know, pretty much anything you want to do, likely you'll be able to do it. I said, if there's any special software. No, No, there really wasn't. So we'll see how it goes. And then other discussions too, about like how do they, can they use... Things like Facebook and Instagram and have some semblance of, of privacy. So I was telling them about using Firefox, container tabs, and so forth. I decided I'm going to start compiling some notes, things that I, you know, like some real easy, easy things, and then I'll probably start publishing either on my site or Front Page Linux on just very simple, pragmatic ways to protect yourself on the internet and with your technology. And I did start a, a post on the discourse. Concerning that, I got a lot of really, really awesome ideas as far as what you can do for protecting yourself on the on the internet or how to protect yourself. Now, you know, being that you know we our community is what it is, there are lots of unsustainable methods as well that I have to kind of sift through. But, uh, but it's really, really good information.
0: Yeah, and it's a great way to know that you can help keep your family safe as they're doing their day to day stuff on the computer.
1: It's just interesting to see the the, the shift of of interest. You know, from re- they realize there'll be some convenience losses, and they're willing to take those. Convenience losses for the security.
0: And that's a great thing to point out to them is yeah, you know, some things might be a little bit more difficult, but. This is what you gain in the back end for security. That's a great thing to to explain.
1: So, Matt, what have you been doing?
2: I have been doing this weird thing called technology decluttering.
1: That's a crazy Ooh. idea. What it, what in the world is that?
2: I have been trying to get rid of stuff that I'm that really doesn't have a use. Like I, I use it, like find a use eventually, kind of thing. I don't want to say I'm going like technologically minimalist, but I'm trying to at least dwindle down some of the the less functionally used stuff. So I'm trying to kind of so, kind of kind of like a workflow. I'm kind of trying to just minimize down to the workflow that I need as opposed to just all the random that I have.
1: <laughs> all right. If you could do me a favor, because uh I, I this is a really interesting and new concept for me. I mean I understand technology, I understand decluttering. I don't understand those words together. So if you could tell me like an example of what that means, you know, for, for me.
2: <laughs> for for you. My test machine for like generic Linux testing was a uh, ThinkPad T440S. You can't get much more plain vanilla kind of hardware. I don't use it per se. Like it's a nuke and pave machine. I, I have a desktop, a laptop, a workstation, and a Mac. Those are the machines I need. I'm not jumping distros as much as I used to. I still like I live USB a lot of distros now. I don't need the dedicated hardware. It's just that kind of stuff.
1: Okay, so that means you're getting rid of the ThinkPad.
2: I already got rid of the ThinkPad. Well,
1: <laughs> I got
2: I got that's rid of gone. I got rid of the old MacBook. That I had kick the 2008 like unibody MacBook that I had that had Linux on it got rid of that. I also got rid huh. of this. I also got rid of some of the weird hardware, Wendy, like the, the, the Sony Vio Duo, which was like the slider. Um, I got rid of that. It's just one of those like I have all these systems right now with a lot of people needing access to systems they're not doing me any good and i'm not going to lie money's always nice to make up for for some of them yeah, too so absolutely so
1: you're you're selling your stuff all right okay that makes sense
2: yeah but to me <laughs> it's, but to me it's decluttering i got you while while i'm still making money from it yes um i'm decluttering like all the crap that i accumulated
0: <laughs> but here's the thing more esoteric hardware will be back
2: uh, <laughs> when the pine phone shows up <laughs> that'll be well, the that's, most
0: that's the one i totally gravitate to yep well
2: i Okay. I like it. I already have esoteric hardware anyway. Like myself, my backup cell phone is a BlackBerry Z10. My esotericness doesn't change. It's just a lot of the extra hardware is going away because I don't use it, don't need it. Maybe somebody else can use it and get what they need out of it. So Wendy, what have you been up to?
0: Well, before we recorded last week in the pre-show, I was kind of talking to you guys about a piercing that I was getting, and it's called the DAF or da. So it's that inner cartilage, and it's supposed to help with headaches. And as many of you guys have heard over the long time that I've done different shows on the network and just chatting on Big Daddy Linux Live, they know that I'm a migraine sufferer and I've done a ton with diet and exercise and really kind of helped narrow them down, but they're still a major part of my life. So I'm like, well, might as well go get these done. And then I was talking to the the piercer who did them and said, I'm I'm kind of worried. I podcast and I've got these earbuds. I need to be able to put my earbuds in so I can do shows. So there's no feedback to my mic. And he's like, oh, yeah, not a problem. These, the way these barbells fit in your ear, you should be able to wear your earbuds. No, no big deal. And I didn't try them that Wednesday, the day I got them done. But I tried to put my earbuds in on Thursday and it was an absolute no go. There's no way I was going to get those suckers in and it was absolutely not going to be comfortable enough. So I had to go emergency over the ear headphone shopping this week. (laughs) And I've got a fantastic Best Buy store. So it's about the only tech store we've got. In our area. And they were open for people to go in. And I'd originally bought a set of earphones online. And I'm so glad I tested them out in the parking lot before leaving because the way that they sat on my ears, it didn't matter if I had these new piercings or not, they dug my regular lower lobe ones into my neck and pinched my ears and they were horribly uncomfortable. So I go back in and I said, yeah, I need to exchange these because these will not work. I have no idea how anybody wears these things. And I walk back. So they've got their lineup of different headphones and I'm looking at them and talking to the gal and she's like, yeah, you know, go ahead and try them on. And I show her, I'm like, well, I've got these fresh piercings and I don't know how many people have put them on and I do not want an infection because the last person who tried them on and now I have little buggies in there
1: (laughs) right yeah that that could be tragic yeah
0: yeah absolutely I'm doing my best to avoid infection and so she was so awesome she went back to the front of the store where they've got some of their cleaners to deal with the COVID stuff and wiped down any pair of earphones I wanted to try to help make sure that I could get ones that fit and would work great for the show or other stuff that I need the headphones for and help me prevent getting an ear an infection in my new piercings. So that lady was so awesome. Amazing customer service. I finally settled on a pair of Bose headphones because they were the most comfortable in the way that they fit around my head and here's the best part not only were they most comfortable but they were also on sale that's been my adventure this week it was an emergency tech buy to deal with something i'd done to help combat headaches and and so far both seem to be working out all right we'll see how it goes
1: well that's good news yeah definitely (laughs) Were like headphones like traditional headphones that go over the ears would those not work
0: um yeah so these are traditional ones that go over my ears. So I've posted a picture on my Instagram that has them on there and my date survival kit because I can't sleep. I'm a side sleeper. After having four babies, I am trained to sleep on my side and now I can't not sleep on my side. I've got my survival kit there, which is some saline to clean it. My brand new awesome headphones that I'm loving and wearing now. And then it's a neck pillow, right? That is supposed to be used for sleeping in the car. And I call it my donut pillow for my head just sleep on your side with it. So your ear goes through the hole instead of wearing it around <laughs> your neck. It's awesome.
2: This episode of DLN Extended is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. DigitalOcean recently announced new features and services, such as a virtual private cloud in all regions, free of charge. This lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workloads. Container Registries is now available to all users. Easily store and manage private container images and push images seamlessly to DigitalOcean's Kubernetes. You can get all of this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as five dollars per month. Get started on DigitalOcean for free with a hundred-dollar credit by going to do.co/dln, and you can use that one hundred-dollar credit for spinning up over a dozen droplets or even some monster-sized droplets for two months. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with a hundred-dollar credit by going to do.co/dln. So over the last couple of episodes, we have been talking about about making the switch and how we view putting new users onto Linux, but we wanted to get a little personal this time and give you guys kind of our Linux story on like how we either got into Linux, why we got into Linux, or the myriad of other reasons to jump jump ship onto a different OS. So Nate, what were your reasons? Like, where does your Linux story start, or even really, where do you want to start your Linux story? I should say.
1: So my first computer is a Commodore sixty four. I've talked about my obsession with vintage hardware, and so I went from that to the Amiga later on. I'm gonna try and make this. And the Amiga was it's kind of a y like operating system, like the the uh, the syntax and such underneath. And so I liked that. It was it was. I enjoyed how that was laid out. It's, I mean, it's different from Linux, but it was, you know, a lot of similarities. And then the Amiga Commodore stopped keeping up with us and they died. I still needed to get like real things done, you know, not just play games. And so I went to Windows 98. I bought my first PC like, in like a 1990s, 98. And so I call this my dark my dark ages of, uh, of computer time. And I pretty much, I lost interest in computers almost entirely. I thought they were just a pain in the butt to deal with. I didn't enjoy it. I felt like it wasn't mine anymore. There wasn't anything personal about it. You know, it wasn't really customizable. And so I just kind of stopped caring. I, I, I started distancing myself from technology largely. And I was like programming and doing all kinds of things before that. So I got a job at Whirlpool Corporation as a, as a drafter. And the uh, computer they sent me on was this Unix machine, this HP Unix machine. I'm like, what is this glorious thing? I must know more. How much one of these cost? Oh, 10 grand, that's outside of the budget. And, uh, and, and someone says, oh, have you tried Linux? I go, I've heard of it. It's the Penguin operating system. And I like penguins. And I said, "Yeah." I says, "Well, it's you know, it's free to download. You should you know try it." And so I went online, looking a little bit. And you know, back then it was dial up, commu- dial up modem, so downloading wasn't really an option. I could probably done at work. I think about it but anyway I had a way away burning it so I went to the store and I picked up a copy of mandrake Linux and started playing with it and I thought it was just absolutely fantastic i I really enjoyed like it was so customized it was all these different options and it was a little bit overwhelmed at first because like there's just so much to it's like, like going to a it's like going to an old country buffet like the first customer in there where nobody has kind of you know picked it over you know you know what I'm talking about or any buffet you know insert buffet here and it was just so excited so I wanted to just try all these different things and there's just so much to try I was just I spent weeks just playing with it, you know, I was I don't know, 22 at the time. I think you know, the army sent me off to Kosovo, so I stopped. Uh, you know, I didn't play for a while, and then by the end of that year, I I purchased another copy of of Mandrake Linux, and I installed it on a laptop, and i had been on that on Linux ever since. And the always what I thought was really great about it. Now, mind you, I I went to KDE because GNOME at the time wasn't. I didn't really enjoy it, but the KDE was so flexible and customizable, and you could you could make it how you wanted. And I, I'm kind of, a, I don't want to say fickle is the right word, but I change how I do things somewhat frequently. So I'm so I'm never really truly satisfied with anything because I'm always tweaking it and, and adjusting it like, well, this isn't working. So how can I fix this? So I kind of adjust things accordingly. Uh, like right now, my current challenge is working with Microsoft Teams and and so being able to use Microsoft Teams in a more efficient way using the different desktop tools, you know, has made things better, but the Teams in and of itself is clunky. And so, you know, the uh, great thing about using Linux, specifically Plasma, is just how stinking flexible it is to work with you know, me being a, a continuous edge case, essentially. I'm constantly an edge case. Like I'm, I realize, you know, if, if somebody made a distribution specifically tailored toward my, my needs, it wouldn't, it would no longer be valid in probably two weeks because, because I've shifted, you know, I'm I'm a moving target. And so So I appreciate- you're changing
0: your workflow that much or you're changing the stuff you use or what?
1: Largely, largely like how I'm working. So depending on the task itself, it changes drastically what I'm doing. Like, like now when I'm recording with you guys and then, or, or whatever, I have things set up a certain way. When I go to do a different thing, let's say working with teams and, and trying to do, manage data and go through and reconcile information, I'm working completely differently. So each task I do has a different flow to it. And the nice thing about Plasma is it gives me a shell that I can make, I can make these adjustments as I see fit. You know, yeah, so you screen. do that on
0: different workspaces. So things automatically pop up on different workspaces where you want them, or you just kind of adjust that every time I, you use it.
1: I've, I've adjusted that either by workspace or by virtual desktop. So, awesome. so, like, so, right now I'm using virtual desktops very heavily so that I can set one virtual desktop up for doing a specific task, another desktop up for doing another task. But now when I stop doing that task, I wipe. You know those things off. I'm doing another, a different task. Then I repurpose those virtual desktops. I have used the the, the workspaces also, and have the different. I don't know if you, you've played with those at all. Oh yeah. I um those also work well for me. But I find that certain like that doesn't work quite as well for me. Like when I decide, oh, I need to combine these two tasks now. So I have some hotkeys that I use to move applications to different virtual desktops so that I can more effectively work on whatever that task is. And so the the workspaces don't cater themselves quite as well for that. You can still do that, but I just can't do it as quickly. And uh, I'm I'm sure there's a hotkey that would make that work i just haven't done it Uh, so anyway when i go to like a mac or a windows machine when i have to do stuff on there i just feel like it's just so kludgy like like how do you how do people use this and feel okay with themselves like how do they not how do they not rethink their life decisions when using windows and mac (laughs) that's really how i feel when i use them because they don't they don't suit my shifting requirements very well so lendy how give us give me some personal insights about you know when the switch and why the switch to the linux happened
0: I actually switched over to Linux because I was getting frustrated with Windows. So I used only Windows starting back with some of the the DOS days with the green screen and having to get your way into games and, and that kind of thing. And then... You know, in the house and at school it was always Windows machines and we slowly moved up that way. So as I moved out and was buying my own computers, I was just kind of on that same role of you just you buy a Windows machine and that's how it works. And I remember it was during the whole fiasco with Windows ten and I know some of it was it's a new operating system rolling out. They're rolling out a whole lot of versions of it and sometimes not checking them completely before rolling them out. So I was having All kinds of problems. And I wanted a bunch of the telemetry stuff turned off. So I had a program loaded that helped turn off telemetry. And every time it would update, it would remove my telemetry application. I'd have to reinstall it and set all of that stuff back up. And it was taking me forever just to sit down and get some work done Because there was always stuff that needed fixed, always stuff that needed tweaked. My um, browser needed reinstalled because of whatever the last update did. And I just hit the point where I was so frustrated because when I sat down to work, I just wanted to work. And then I could go on and do things with my family and and that sort of thing. So I started looking for an alternative. And for me, uh, Mac was never too much of an option. And for one, um, I am super budget conscious and I'm also pretty cheap for the most part. So every time I looked at them... I'd look at the specs. I'd look for what they cost. And to me, whatever they put into the OS wasn't worth that massive extra price tag to me. So that's when I started looking online for different alternatives. And this, you know, Linux popped up. It was popping up all over. I started reading forms and seeing how to install it and all of that kind of stuff. Stuff. And I was already pretty familiar with some of that process on phones because for years before that, I'd had an Android device, which I'd rooted and ROM'd. And so some of that stuff was pretty comfortable to me. I'd just never done it on a computer system
1: That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. So after what, I think I I spent about a month researching and looking and learning and then decided, yep, this is exactly the way I wanted to go. I installed it on both of our computer systems and haven't looked back. I've never installed Windows on one of these computer systems since Except for like one time where I needed to update some drivers and the only way that I could actually get it done properly was to load it on a spare drive. So that drive was in there for as long as it took to update some drivers on a gimbal and then be done. So otherwise it's been just straight Linux for me and I've loved the process. Like you, Nate, first I started with some different Desktop environments as I was learning what options were out there as far as applications and stuff went. My first desktop environment was XFCE, and one of the reasons why I was choosing it was because it was really light. And my computer at the time, I wanted to make sure that I was getting as much out of it as I possibly could and not have my desktop environment eating up some of those resources. So that's why I went with XFCE, and it did a really good job. I eventually jumped to GNOME, which had a more polished look to it, but I was starting to collect multiple monitors and I was finding that that one wasn't handling my multiple monitor systems very well. Eventually I found KDE Plasma and absolutely fell in love with it because I could do, like with the workspaces or the virtual desktops, the way it handles multiple monitoring so well, the way I can select and choose applications to, hey, I'm working on this project, I need this application to stay on top the whole time so I can see what's going on as I'm bouncing back and forth between other stuff. It really gives me the functionality in workflow that not only have I not found anywhere else but is nothing that I could have gotten on a Windows environment. And using that knowledge, as we talked a little bit about last week, I migrated my in-laws over from Windows 10 when their laptop automatically updated, even though they didn't want it to update to Windows 10. I switched them over to a Linux system. They've been running that for years now, though, you know, I do all the maintenance, it meets all of their needs. I am not not worried about when, you know, sometimes they'll still get these full screen ads. I have finally put an ad blocker on there for them, but you know, they'd get a a full screen warning that says you have viruses on your windows machine. And they'd call me and I'm like, you're not even running windows. Just hit this button, exit out of it. You are good to go. This is not a worry. And it's some of that, like, I feel safer knowing that there's other protections there as they're just doing their day to day stuff. Like it's been awesome. And it's taken that route not only for me, but helped me help some family in the process.
1: Yeah, that's really awesome. And I, I totally agree. The plasma has the best. Multi monitor support and something like it actually remembers the some ID of the monitor too, even even VGA monitors. Yeah, but what'll happen is like if so, if I if I'm at my my stand up desk, I have things arranged a certain way, you know, it remembers that. If I go to another, like if I decide I'm going to hook into like the something out like on the dining room table, let's say I just set up a kind of an ad hoc work location for just whatever reason, I it always if I use that same monitor, it remembers the orientation of that monitor as well. So, all these different little things it just does and does well. And I've never seen, I mean, even Windows doesn't do that, I and mean, Windows is terrible about remembering monitor locations, at least in my experience, it'll forget to turn them on or it'll, it'll make them all, it'll, it won't change. It will not remember how I had them set up, just decides what it wants to do. So, I mean, in that regard, you know, Linux or startups, desktop Linux, at least Plasma, I can't speak for the other desktop environments, but it just absolutely just obliterates the other options out there. I don't know about Mac. I don't have enough experience on Mac to say. Yeah, Mac is probably, do I. Mac is probably great. I'm sure. I'm sure it's totally awesome. But anyway, the, um, I totally get it. I totally completely 100% understand your your position on that.
0: Well, I got what I wanted in the end, right? One of the biggest reasons why I switched is when I sat down to work, I wanted to just be able to work and I now have a system that ticks all of those boxes for me. When I want to play, I totally have the ability to just play with stuff. But when it's work time, I don't have to worry about my computer system being an issue. I get to sit down and get my work done. Goal met. So Matt, what brought you over to Linux?
2: Kind of in the same vein as you guys. For me, obviously... My venture into Linux started way back in '99. <laughs> I got this disk from a friend. I think it was, I think it was a Mandrake disk, and I think it was like five one or something, uh, five one five two, yeah. and that was my foray into venturing into the unknown of other operating systems at the time. Uh the biggest thing for me was just Linux had always been the secondary system. It was it was never like it was never the primary for me for a long time. And it wasn't so much that I don't think it couldn't do what I needed it to. It was just one of those things there was certain things that I needed that it couldn't provide at that time. And I didn't think that it, it you hear a lot of people complain about it, like, oh, it can't do this. And it's like, no, it's not that it can't do this is that it just currently doesn't do this and around 2012 when steam actually said hey we're making a linux client and the the graphics drivers got better like the default graphics drivers got a ton better obs became available on on linux as opposed to just being a, a windows only system or having to spend a amount of money on you know things like Wirecast for like a Mac and stuff or having to run a hackintosh or any of that stuff. When and that and in, in the combination of that in the combination of things like Caden Live being much better than it used to be, video editing as a whole being much better than it used to be. Programs like Audacity finally coming into that that really mature point of reference by that time your software is very mature. I started with Ubuntu was pretty much my home for a long time, even on those secondary machines. And I question what Nate says about Plasma being the best for multi-monitor. I still say Unity for multi-monitor, Unity for fractional scaling are still, and still is the best desktop environment, even though, the, <laughs> Nate, I know they're based on good node technologies, but...
1: <laughs> if I may, on that, so I, I'm, you know, you don't, you don't just, fire off your shots and walk away um so unity is okay but there's such such wasted space in unity because of the like the additional bars they put on all the different desktops all different screens and i'm like i don't know why do they do that why, why do you clutter up with this global menu i guess gold menu the thing that's on the top it's like why, why are you taking up my space unnecessarily so to me to me it's kind of a waste it's the, too much wait, uh, space wasted and i didn't i didn't like how how it looked or functioned
2: i used unity for Oh God, probably until just about they killed it off in 2017. And then I jumped around for distro to distro. And like you guys, I kind of ended up on Plasma. I'd used Plasma slash KDE on and off since Mandrake, because I think I was KDE 2, if I remember correctly at that time. So I've used Plasma on and off and it was always one of those, it looks nice after I spent a long time fixing it. <laughs> and you know, especially like KDE 4, where it was the the argument you hear, it's bloated a lot of the time still, which it's not. But at that time, it probably was. So I ended up landing on Manjaro for a while, tried Kubuntu, I went to KDE Neon. Then I ended up on, for the most part, most of my uh, distros that I use now are salient OS that I just kind of tweak a few things and it has everything I need. So I don't really have a lot to pre-install or reinstall. So, like, if I have to nuke and pave a, a workstation machine, I really don't care because it's I have all the important stuff saved. So if the OS goes bork, I'm like, well, whatever, and I'm up and going in 20 minutes. So my journey was kind of you know the typical distro hopper stuff for a while. After you you lose a home, so then you go to find a home. Then when you find a home, you're kind of like, okay, I found a home. Now now what? <laughs>
0: My so. husband was super frustrated with that jumping process as I was trying to find a home. <laughs> Sometimes he'd come home, he's like, Oh my gosh, you switched it again. I said, Yeah, this looked better. <laughs> <laughs> so he was quite happy when I found my happy place so that he could just come home and get on the computer and get what he needed done, done too. <laughs>
2: now, did the kids take that mentality? Or did you just give them a machine and say, here's your machine?
0: Yeah, they've pretty much just been given a machine at this point. My oldest daughter is hitting to the point that I think she would enjoy doing some exploration and seeing kind of what fit her the best. But right now, the rest of them are young enough that that might be more of a chore than I'm willing to take on at the moment.
2: Don't blame you. See, that's the thing. Like, I I think the one thing I think we can all agree on though is when you first get into it and it's like you're, you're coming generically from a a fixed environment of you know Windows or Mac, pretty much they're they're a one size fits all approach on to, with very varying degrees of customization and stuff and but the experience regardless of the customization is pretty much the same. And the thing with Linux is like, okay, I have all this choice on like what distro to your OS to use. But then you get into things like, oh hey, look, there's different desktop what are these desktop environments? What are window managers? You know, oh, you, yeah. st- you, you start getting into, you know, because like I I'm not gonna lie, I like you, Wendy, I've tried tons of different D's. Like I would just especially once I started like on on, on an arch base of, the, of a distro I would use some of the most esoteric and I'll still do but um,
0: <laughs> yeah that hasn't that's, changed that's part of your charm
2: <laughs> but like I, like I would try to daily driver them that, that's the difference I think and while I still test out most distros via like live USBs and stuff the way you get into like Linux is like okay do I want like Fluxbox do I want You know, do I want enlightenment? Do I want plasma? Do I want gnome? Do I want like this weird esoteric thing like F E W M crystal? Or, you know, you just get kind of to say you get overwhelmed by the choice is not inaccurate because it's one of those things where you're just like, Huh, I'm not used to that. With that choice comes a level of freedom that you did not experience on the prior platform. And so when I hear the, oh my God, the choice is overwhelming. The choice is overwhelming because of where you're coming from. So when you go from little to here's, you know, you have three flavors of ice cream, then you realize, oh, you have like 256 flavors of ice cream. It, it's very different. Well, the so, thing is, though,
1: that's a really good example because the the distros you choose are a bit nutty, so their flavors a bit. <laughs>
2: No, no, those are the distros. You got some Rocky
0: Road in there. He
2: does. (laughs) Those are the distros that I live USB. The ones I actually install. While well, you <laughs> might disagree with the arch base, um, and yes, uh, Salient is very much Ghosties project, and you know, call it a one-man man project, whatever you want. For me, though, it, it's the right home for me. So, like, I could do and take a lot of what he does and roll it into like a, a backup ISO and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it's just one of those. He already does it, so why am I going to do more work? I got other stuff to do. <laughs>
0: and he does a really good job yeah
2: he does um uh, you know for those that don't know salient is one of those it's very focused on either from two different perspectives it's gamer focused but it's also like media production focused too yeah so it has a lot of the DXVK stuff that you need, um, you know, proton tricks and all that kind of jazz. But it also has a lot of the niceties of having a bunch of media stuff already installed and pre-done for you. So like K-Live's K&L pre-installed, you know, just just a bunch of is pre-installed. So there's a bunch of pre install stuff that makes just the experience so much better. And that's probably why I go with it and why I stay with it, because the amount of stuff I have to actually install or take out is so minimal. I literally have to add an Office app and so I end up installing WPS Office. And I take out one or two things and that's pretty much it.
0: This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords. The fact that Bitwarden is not only open source but has had third-party security testing done is one reason I have chosen to trust them with my passwords. On their blog, they have recently announced another third-party security review has been completed. They have the security assessment available for anyone to review. My favorite part of the report? and i quote no exploitable vulnerabilities were discovered thank you bitwarden for offering such a feature rich password manager and making security checks a priority you can get started with a free account by going to bitwarden.com/dln want to support this open source project and help them continue to conduct third party security audits that support starts at only $10 a year jump over to bitwarden.com/dln to learn more
1: so Andy, as part of this journey into Linux and what got you there, what are the things have you been journeying with?
0: Well, I am extremely excited about this new Darktable update that's just dropped. And if you remember me talking a few weeks ago, one of the things that I was loving about Darktable over raw therapy was your ability to sort through images in that Lighttable part of it. And they have recently made that so much better with this 3.2 release. You have more defining images. And here's another thing that I love. So before when you would go on top of an image you would get some of those basic details as you hovered over it. But now you can set all of that information to show you all the time or show you that information just when you're hovering over it. You have all of these other tools and options as you are sorting through Light Table to figure out exactly what order you want those images in. Okay, so maybe you have worked on a set of images and And you're looking at the ones that have had modules applied in a certain order, you can now sort them that way. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love the development of of Darktable. I love the different features that they have added into this 3.2 release to make sorting, working through your images just that much easier, that much faster, because you have more control of what images you're seeing when. And be able to adjust your workflow for that process and what needs done in that particular folder
1: so what would you say this this update has leapfrogged dark table over raw therapy, or would you say it 's the, the race is more neck and neck now, or how, how do you how do you evaluate this this release versus your raw therapy journey?
0: I still absolutely love them both, like I said, I, I wish I could get a combination of the two because. DarkTable is being able to sort things and the way that in DarkTable, if I'm doing tweaking on an image, say someone's got like a green cast or whatever, and I need to change that color specifically of where that green cast is going, DarkTable gives me tools to highlight only that color or to make changes using different filters and gradients or using able to use a brush to make changes and how I apply different modules, there, there's so much fine-tuning there. It is extremely useful, and those are things that Raw Therapy currently doesn't have right now. They may have in the future, but those aren't tools that they have now, and they are extremely powerful, especially depending on the type of work you're going to do. And one of my favorite things about Raw Therapy has been just how amazing colors look. When they get pulled into it, I know that especially working in skin tones, the images that I pulled up after my husband's super soft birthday party, all of the colors looked so dang good right out of the box in raw therapy, and I'm not getting that same kind of color profile in dark table. And I don't know if there's something that I can do. Maybe there's a setting that I've got wrong or or whatever, but maybe there's something that I can do to, to fix that there. But when it comes to straight out, just get to work and colors look good, raw therapy absolutely has that nailed. And anybody that has been doing stuff, say in Adobe style products, Raw Therapy have their modules set up a lot the same way, so that would be an easier transition for somebody coming over. I love them both. I'm still going to use them both after that testing experiment, but Darktable is still doing absolutely amazing things and fantastic updates for usability for their professional and even just your average I-want-to-play-with-photos person.
2: Well, Wendy, I do have a question for you. Have you heard of one called Light Zone?
0: No, I have not.
2: It's an open source one that used to be a formerly professional application. It's in the AUR FYI.
0: Okay, so I'll be installing that after the show.
1: <laughs> You're welcome.
0: <laughs> Tell you a enabler? enabler.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes.
2: <laughs> no, I only I'm only an enabler for games, not software.
1: Uh well, I think there's evidence in the contrary now. I don't know
2: what
0: you're referring. (laughs) Absolutely awesome. So Matt, what things have you been diving into this week?
2: Oh, what haven't I been diving into this week? Uh, So not really dove into much in the way of distros this week. However, there is progress on a distro with that and I've always enjoyed their work, but it's never been a distro for me for a variety of reasons. Uh, Elementary OS, six is looking kind of fantastic. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, they, they are finally putting in my biggest gripe with them has been the blinding whites on Pantheon on the menus. Which is why
0: I've never used it. Uh,
2: on the menus, on the default applications. That has been my biggest gripe. And it finally, <laughs> finally is being addressed. And I am ecstatic for it. There is other stuff. But for me, that is like the one feature that has kept me from even like testing elementary OS because it's just the the color palette just like because you have the translucent top bar for Pantheon. That is, you know, it's very um, like a glass look, like a smoked glass kind of look yeah which looks fantastic but then when you you know you hit uh, so
1: very very plasma oxygen so that's what it sounds like to me
2: uh plasma oxygen or like a translucency on like the the gnome three like top panel kind of do gotcha. um oh, nice. kind of kind of the same thing but like when you you know you you super space and all of a sudden the menu that pops out is like this blinding white with icons you're like oh my god like th- this does not coalesce well for cohesion and stuff. So that, I've, again, that that's a personal flavor, of course. But like for me, that was the, I was like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, Nope, can't use it.
0: And, and that wasn't something that was like, Oh, an, an issue as far as basic look wise, it goes back to that root thing we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. That's a potential migraine trigger for me to have just bright stuff popping out of corners like that. So,
2: yeah, definitely. And again, that that that's a person uh, that's a user to user situation. So yeah. While most, I know for me, I'm a dark theme person. I know Wendy very much is Nate. I'm not mm-hmm. yes I'm, very much. Well, you also you like gecko green, so like I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, it's not like all green; it's just highlights, green highlights, you
2: know. So very little man, green
1: flare here. No, and there. Very no.
2: very manjaro in in where you. Well, prefer. no,
1: not so not so uh, cyan; a little bit more. Little yeah, more no, green tone.
2: yeah, yeah, a little a little brighter. <laughs> Um,
1: more, more pure more pure than more pure <laughs> more pure <laughs> right <laughs> speaking
2: of pure uh, so and uh, you know get called an enabler well here's me enabling them for uh video games because this Again. one is i would never <laughs> not do it um it's this game sick. is this game is totally free to play this is not a free to win game this is a free to play game it's gold rated on proton and it is warframe haven't had a lot of time to really get into a lot of gaming over the last couple of weeks so when i do any type of gaming this is one of those like i can drop in for 10 minutes do a mission or two and call it good and go like go do something else so this is kind of like my go-to game when i'm just like okay i want to Do some type of gaming, but like I don't have enough time to sink into the type of games that I generically prefer, which is like those big, like story narrative, kind of heavy, like Japanese RPGs and stuff like those are where I prefer to go not this week <laughs> or last week. So Warframe has been where I've been putting that. Um the Warframe is the one game that has done free to play the right way because you can still get everything that is available to buy for physical money in the game without feeling like it's a constant grind throughout the game. And that has been the biggest criticism for f- free to play games and it's an accurate descriptor scripter um but Warframe awesome. is probably the one to actually do it right, and it's one of the most popular games on Steam, generically speaking, and mm-hmm. it, and it's a multiplayer game that you can play on Linux because of Prodot. No oh,
1: anti-cheat woo. things that prevent nope. you from doing that. that nope, get, actually, in fact, these the guys.
2: Hammer. Nope, uh, no, no band hammer for <laughs> uh, easy anti-cheat or battle eye. Uh, actually, these guys have actually. I believe they've done some work for Vulcan to get Linux to work. they're doing a very uh, no Man's sky and actually fixing issues in proton from what I've seen or so, in they're, actually being,
1: so they're actually contributing to the community aspect of it as opposed to just yeah, yeah they're, they're at least a, it, you know.
2: attempting to make stuff work some, like they might not put a, it might not be high on their effort list or priority list, mm-hmm. but they're at least making a good good faith effort and I can I can appreciate that. So Nate, speaking of things to appreciate, what have you been looking to appreciate more?
1: My server, the one that I had to downgrade the CPU, we talked about it before. Well, I decided that the, the um, you know, the disk check, I think, it's like, I think it's GNOME disks I even use. I, I know it was one of, the, uh, one of those disk utilities that monitors the smart daemon. Uh, essentially, it's telling me I need to change. It's having to compensate a lot for the uh, failing Hard drive, so uh, it's just for the root partition, not not the storage drives, but the root the root drive. So I purchased an SSD that's 120 gigabytes. I don't need that much space at all. I don't even need close to that much space for root, but I I need to. I'm replacing a one terabyte ish drive that's in there now. It's just whatever I had lying around when I put the thing together. Basically, it's just bootstraps the system, and then any of the applications live on this drive, and then the data stored on the on the RAID array. So I need to find a way to, because I can't use clonezilla, from what I understand, to go clone to a smaller drive. So I need to find a way to essentially put all that stuff that I have on that drive onto this drive, and then boot off of this instead. I'm not exactly sure how to do that yet. I'm not sure what the best, the best course of action is, but I need to do this fairly quickly so that my server doesn't stop, you know, serving.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. before you go down completely. <clears throat> yeah,
1: yeah. So I need to, I need to figure that out. I have a few courses of action. I need to bounce it off some people, but I think I might actually just install OpenSUSE on it. And then I think I, I mean, cause it's just, everything's a file, right? And so as long as I got the boot information on there, I could just copy everything over all the data over, you know, override everything to basically make it, you know, the same as the current drive that's in there. So I don't really know how that works. I, I have to figure it out yet. I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a good way to do it and a not, not stupid way. So I can get it done correctly and efficiently and so forth. But yeah, that's, I, I'm going to be doing that. I could have probably just purchased another spinning rust hard drive, but you know, if I can get just a, a wee bit more performance out of it, you know, all the better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And And spinning rust is definitely... Cheaper in general, but these solid state drives are coming down in price enough that they're worth swapping out for if you're already got to swap out drives. It
1: was $20 for a 120 gigabyte drive. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Again,
2: definitely the prices on SSDs, regardless of like NVMe or just like the, the, the two five drives have gone down drastically from what they used to be. So absolutely. Because I know, I think I ended up buying a 256 gig NVMe drive for $27. Nice. And I was like, so, and you notice the improvements. It doesn't matter if it's the two five drive or if it's a NVMe, you, you you notice the speed improvements when you're going from, you know, typical platter, uh, rust drives. Though I will say for storage, like just mass quantity of storage, uh, platter drives still win hands down. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause you can get so much more storage on the cheap.
1: And I've also had an Array 10 configuration. So I have some speed boosts there as well since there's nice.
2: Yeah. Cause I know, like, just to go by what you were saying, Wendy, like, there, there's, is crazy cheap! Like I saw a five terabyte external for ninety nine dollars. I think I'm like wow. oh.
0: absolutely. I'm like thing yeah. is, is I have so much that. I would overfill that. And need-
2: uh, something tells me like the back of your like tower is nothing but external cables. For- no, there's
0: a reason why I have <laughs> this monster of a tower. It's so I can have that stuff oh, directly in the case. Oh, the and dr- not up. Well, no, back. I, I,
2: I, I was <laughs> saying you probably ran out for stuff in the case.
0: <laughs> not yet. I just keep replacing hard drives to bigger ones. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram, Discourse, Mumbled, or the Discord. Visit the DLN website for more information and how to connect with us on different social channels, other shows, and the creators. DestinationLinux.network. More info from Nate is at...
1: CubicleNate.com. Links to my regular written blatherings, podcast, YouTube channel, and such can be found there.
2: And you can follow my random ramblings on Twitter at MattDLN.
0: You can find what I'm up to on Instagram at Linux and Lyft. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week for another amazing episode of Deal and Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone.